Stay tuned for an exclusive SFN radio interview coming up next. Hi, welcome to SFN Radio's High Frequency with your host, Christy Walsh. So welcome, listeners out there of High Frequency. I'm your host, Christy Walsh. My guest today is Elizabeth Pendleton. She's a musician and full-time light worker. She writes a monthly astrology newsletter and co-hosts the Hay House Book Club on Hay House Radio. Presently, she's working towards a certification as a singer-songwriter at the renowned Berklee School of Music. You may have heard her on the BBC, Ireland's RTE, and public radio in the U.S., including New York City's WFUV. To find out more about her music, readings, and more, visit her website at elizabethsoracle.co. So welcome, Elizabeth. I'm so excited to talk to you. Hello, Christine. Hi. On the high frequency to everybody you're listening at. It seems really fun to be here. Yeah, I think we were going to get into a couple of topics in astrology right now, and so much has happened in 2013, and time is, seems to be speeding up all the time, and creative projects are just happening to everyone everywhere. So what's what's going on out there in the astrological wave? Well, it's funny. As soon as you said that, I had this image of <laughs> everybody's birthing something, men and women, where everybody's really feeling that creative impulse and that is being driven by the placement of a lot of planets and water signs in particular we have neptune doing a transit of pisces and we have saturn and scorpio and at the end of june jupiter is going to go into cancer so that's going to bring us to a full water trine and people may have been feeling a lot of that watery energy during March, late February through, you know, about the 20th of March or so, because we went through uh, five planets in Pisces. So we definitely got our, our toes wet and, uh, you know, people, it's, it's both a creative energy and it's the energy of the emotions and the heart chakra. So people may be feeling much more driven by their emotions and their heart than the logical side. Uh, and that's only going to build as we head towards the grand water trine, which is going to be exact in the summer, in July, about the 17th or so. Tell me a little bit more about July. <laughs> okay. Well, um, <laughs> every year the sun goes into cancer uh, on the summer solstice or about uh the 20th of June, you know, give or take a day, as most people know, and it goes through cancer for one month as it goes through all the signs. That's the stuff people are pretty familiar with, you know, Leo and Scorpio, Aries, so on. So the, the sun makes it through all 12 signs of astrology each year. That's where we get the astrological calendar, and it coincides with the changing of the seasons. So our cardinal signs in astrology, Cancer, Libra, Capricorn, and Aries, all start their seasons. So at that June 20th mark, thereabouts, we enter the season of summer under the sign of Cancer. In addition to being a cardinal or initiating sign, Cancer is also a water sign. So we're going to be under... You know, the sun being in a water sign, and like I had mentioned, Neptune and Saturn already being on longer transits 
Uh, in other words, they're further out and it takes them a longer time to go through each of the 12 signs. And for people who aren't familiar or they're, you know, getting their feet wet in astrology, uh, all the planets go through the signs in a row, but each one is transiting a different place at any given time. And the only time you'll see them go backwards is when you hear that word retrograde. <laughs> and in fact, we just got out of a Mercury retrograde in Pisces. And um, all of the Mercury retrogrades of 2013 will be in the water signs as well. So it's definitely a watery time that we're building up to. And on a global perspective or level, this may be when we begin to address the water shortages and a fair distribution of water throughout the world. Because when we think from the heart, so to speak, it, you know, it immediately gets us into our compassion and our empathy for others. So I'm, I'm hopeful <laughs> uh, that some, some positive change will come with that. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think our relationship with water and ultimately brings us back to the relationship with ourselves and our bodies since we're made up of water. Mm -hmm. So much of the human body is made up of water. So we can't get away from ourselves, basically. No. The water <laughs> outside, all the planets are in these vibrations of, of these water signs, and then our own bodies are, are doing the same thing and reacting to all of this going around. Right. So, and I, you know, just in fun, I, I, a friend of mine was, over and we were just for grins we were watching what the bleep you know that came out so seemingly so long ago but the reminder of Emoto and his photos of the water of the crystals is you know that is a timely thing for us to think about and if you're somebody who brings a regular water glass to work or one of those mugs or you fill up uh humidifiers if you're out west you're probably doing that you know charging that water with an intention or putting a, a beautiful symmetric image or a mandala on your container would be really helpful so if people want to look up his work if they're already familiar it really gets to that each crystal of water has an imprint and his work showed when you're thinking of words like hate fear uh, stress, the, the crystal takes these uh, really, oh gosh, how do we describe those forms, Christy? You know, very disturbed, <laughs> disturbed. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. But when he had Buddhist monks praying on the water, the containers with words like peace, compassion, love, the, the water took beautiful, symmetrical, crystalline forms and shapes. So it's, it's pretty amazing. So what we're thinking is very much, you know, all the research is pretty much showing us it's affecting our bodies. And so this is an excellent time to work with the element of water. You don't have to wait for the trine. <laughs> yeah. So the planets right now, we still have five planets at least in water right now. Uh, we have actually, they've just started shifting over this past week that we've talked about. We, we're definitely going to have Neptune and Saturn in the water signs for quite a while. Jupiter hasn't quite made it to cap to, um, sorry, to Cancer. It goes there at the end of June. It goes into Cancer on June 25th. Uh, and we just got out of a lot of planets being in Pisces. Uh, Mercury is the only one hanging back there. So over the last month, the sun Venus and Mars have all just moved from Pisces into Aries. So we have had a shift. Mercury 
will be the last of them coming out of Pisces into Aries, and that'll be on April 14th. So the only one that's going to be left back there in Pisces is going to be Neptune, but that's a big outer planet, which means its influence is very substantial, and it, it, it really shapes quite a bit in our subconscious. It comes through our spirituality in dreams. So it's a, you know, there's definitely going to be plenty in Pisces. Neptune can hold its own. Uh, but the rest of the planets in the immediate forecast have shifted on to Aries. And, and now we're in a time of a lot of new beginnings, initiation. We had all that time for contemplation and meditation. And the Aries energy that we're in right now is all about new starts, invigoration, uh, getting back your courage, your gumption, and uh, taking all those ideas out into the world and kind of getting marching, putting, putting them into form. Yeah. So tell me about what happens when, you know, we hear a lot about Mars and Venus and their interaction with each other. And my chart would speak to somebody else's chart differently, you know, in relationships between what the Mars and Venus is doing. And, and so if Mars is in Aries and Venus is in Aries, wouldn't that sort of point to sort of this, uh, peacefulness in relationships because we're all on the same page. We're all starting something new in that Aries energy and Aries to me sort of is a little bit of the warrior, a little bit of the instigator, um, the person who shows up first to the party, um, but somehow disappears halfway through it. <laughs> you know, they're a little bit of a baby to me where they're very inspired, but then they can get bored really fast and just leave. Oh, absolutely. So, <laughs> exactly. so it seems like that would sort of work well with relationships right now. Yeah, coming from the same place. And the fun part of it is in Aries is also Uranus, another big outer planet. And Uranus is all about innovation. It's also surprises, doing the unexpected. So this is a great time for people to either breathe some new life into an existing relationship. Don't take the same tried and true vacation or weekend. It's time to shake it up and do something that's almost uncomfortable. <laughs> Push yourself beyond that comfort zone. Go beyond the, uh, you know, where you would have gone because that is exactly the Aries energy. It's about pioneering. It's about innovative change and breakthroughs. And, it co you know, with Uranus there, that's another one of the longer transits that's in effect right now. Um, Mars and Venus are definitely going to be affected by that. It's sort of like everybody's in mutual company with this energy of invigoration, fire, uh, just just being sassy. And <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of the really fun words, but, you know, Aries definitely is bold. It, it, it does sometimes the unthinkable. And I think every now and then that's really good for people. <laughs> yeah, but usually it works out. Yeah. Like the Aries I've known... They just oh, they, have that instinct to know when to sort of jump in, and, oh and it works out for them. God. Yeah, they always land on their feet. They throw the dice the hardest of any of the clients because they give readings full time, and so I see everybody from across <laughs> the astrological spectrum. And my Aries, they sometimes they scare me to death. You know, darn if they don't land or figure out how to fly or to jump to another limb. <laughs> you know, if the first one starts cracking, you know, and and you're right about the follow through. That's not their strong suit. But I will tell people, 
the planets then shift into Taurus for a while, at least as um, ones we call the inner planets or the personal planets, and that's the Sun, Mercury, Venus, and Mars. Uh, those we're going to have move into Taurus about April 20th. Mars goes there and the sun goes there. And then, of course, Venus and Mercury are going to follow them. So, you know, there will be a time to ground in what we start. But for right now, it's really about being inspired, enthusiastic, and not worrying too much about the consequences. <laughs> so tell me about these big sort of alignments happening with Uranus and Pluto in the next couple of years actually oh yeah we're in the middle of a seven-year cycle and in fact you're honest the planet we were just talking about the planet of the unexpected the planet of sudden changes surprises innovations and all of those things it went into aries on march 11 2011 and some of you will remember that date that was the date of the fukushima accident so we're, we're talking about the you know, Uranus, obviously the same name as uranium, part of uh, nuclear energy and the other components, of course, Pluto. <laughs> and the these two planets are squaring each other. They are large. Uh, they are outer planets. Pluto is not known for its size, but they are the outer planets. And right now they're 90 degrees apart. And what is happening between 2012 and 2015 is they come into exact degree for that 90 degree square, which means their energies really come up against each other. In astrology, the squares are thought to represent a conflict or to bring up issues that really need to come to a head. So if you, you think of lines intersecting in a square, uh, one's going one way, one's going the other, and then they meet at this point. So we have a series of seven of those that we're in the midst of. And uh, the next um, one will be on the 20th of May this year. And that's going to be interesting because starting about April 25th, we start our next series of eclipses. <laughs> and then uh, the, the other Pluto-Uranus square that we have is again on November 1st, 2013. So we get two this year, we get two more next year, and then the final one on the 17th of March in 2015. So these things, how a great example this week for me of where I saw this playing out was in Cyprus. I don't know how many people are paying attention to that, but Literally, the people have sort of shut down the banks <laughs> for several mm -hmm. days. Uh, what happened was the IMF came in and said, you're taking a bailout and to pay for it, we're going to tax your savings by 10%. And people just had had it. That was enough. I mean, if you can imagine having, you know, $1,000 in the bank or 10000 or or 100000 and all of a sudden, you know, this organization coming in and saying, you're giving us 10%. Um, you know, if that's a thousand dollars that you had, all of a sudden you have 900 because these guys come in and just say so. Uh, you can imagine. So the people have, have just absolutely taken to the streets, shut the banks down. Uh, and I don't know how much news most people are getting over here about that. And the government is really in a quandary. And in fact, it was going to impose that tax. And I saw just the other day there 
prime minister, or I'm trying to think of his actual title, was saying, okay, we'll, we're, we'll go to plan B. Let's, let's figure out a different way to pay uh, for this. So, so that protest was effective. And one of the things Uranus represents and one of the things Aries represents is revolution. Doing the new Uranus is rebellious. That is one of its strongest qualities. And the thing is, it's going up against Pluto. <laughs> and Pluto right now is in Capricorn, which is about government systems. It is conservative. We're really, you know, we've been seeing this for quite a while. I, I would argue we've been seeing the financial meltdown since Pluto went into Capricorn in 2008. Uh, and I think we're going to see a whole lot more of it. And also what's important this May time and the November time during May that everything goes into Taurus, which is all about financial security. Uh, and those planets are opposed by Saturn and Scorpio. So Scorpio is all about renewal, but a lot of times it'll have to destroy to renew and its ruling planet is Pluto. So there are a lot of correlations. Pluto is ultimately about reforming. So now in Capricorn, it's reforming systems. I'm feeling like this is going to be one of the most intense years of, of questioning, and it'll be interesting to see where it goes. So you would describe the Uranus energy of the planet as being sort of revolutionary and illuminating, and it sounds like you were saying inspirational. But then how would you describe the Pluto energy as a planet? Pluto is all about death, transformation, and renewal. So ultimately, it is there to purify, but it's, I often liken it uh, to the tower card of the tarot. So people familiar with the tarot kind of go, oh, God, not the tower. <laughs> but when your life needs reform, when, when things have either gotten stagnant or you're really going down the wrong path. Things tend to happen to clear out the energy. And when we look at these global examples of a lot of money being taken from, let's say, savers, and go back to Cyprus for that example, people who are being responsible, saving for their future, for their retirement, and then a handful of guys at the IMF come along and say, give it, hand it over, you know, and it's just going to go into the hands of a few, you can see the inspiration. So would you recommend folks to find out where Uranus and Pluto are in their charts? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's always good to, to read your chart, to know where things are, and uh, keep an eye on where the planets are currently to see where that's impacting you. Definitely. Yeah. And how long is Pluto in Capricorn? Oh, that's a long transit. That's a 15-year transit. That started in 2008 when we began to experience the financial meltdown, and it is staying there until 2023. Okay. So if we're going to be reorganizing because Pluto's in Capricorn, we might as well just, you know, surrender to that, reorganize our money space. Just for get government, <laughs> yeah, 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 and, and for anybody who needs the exact date, that will be March 23rd on uh, 2023, so yeah, we, it's, you know, if we, to put it in context, and we might have talked about this in a previous show, 
the last time that Pluto went through Capricorn was 1760 to 1778. Revolution. Exactly. (laughs) Not only the American Revolution, but when the French were inspired and a little later on the Irish took after them. And it isn't just about America getting its independence and, and that spirit. It is really about monarchy being overthrown as the ruling system. And if we go back even further, the previous Pluto through Capricorn cycle was 1515 to 1532 and or 1517, one of those. But that is when the Reformation takes place. So back then, the church, the Catholic Church, Roman Catholic Church had absolute power. It was the ruling system. You know, there was a, a hierarchy where serfs worked on the land that was owned by landlords who then the money just went up the chain to the Catholic Church. And of course, Ma, uh, Martin Luther comes along then, ter- questions the corruption. I mean, this is a church that was selling indulgences, you know? Right. It, 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 you pay your way out of it. it, it you pay your way to God. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, people said this is corrupt. This is, uh, you know, uh, completely abusive, and those are those are definitely Plutonian terms. And the system, Capricorn, needs to be reformed. So I just think if we just look at those last two examples, and those literally were the last two times Pluto went through Capricorn, and we see it on that bigger level, then we can take the global change that is a foot in stride. It really is where we started, the Grand Water Trine that's building, that's the key story in 2013. Of course, uh, I'd say the story working hand-in-hand with it are those Uranus-Pluto squares and the the financial reform and and those kinds of things. But I, I think they can work mutually. Again, if we tap into the emotional part of ourselves, into our empathy and our compassion, and our creativity. That is really the key. There's nothing we can't solve. We have all the tools. We have all the resources. I think we're just redistributing them. Okay. I like that. (laughs) I like that. I mean, it seems like this change is coming anyway. Yeah. You you can either fear it and fight it and try to go into a shell or, and then, you know, the, the Aries energy we're in, one of the key elements of Aries is courage. And that comes down to an individual basis. I know I'm working with clients a lot and even in my own career, that courage to step out there, to embrace creativity more and more and not live in the fear of, oh, the practical, the logical, because all that's shifting is disintegrating you know the system isn't the system the system's fallen apart and we need to rebuild a new one and we're endowed with you know an innate connection to the divine it that's the guidance that a, a thomas jefferson came with when we went through the last mm-hmm. pluto through capricorn phase so those lights come along and they are visionary and they show us you know they articulate the sentiment of the time. So I, I just think that we really can work through any of the challenges. The key is to have the courage to stay awake and to trust the intuitive side more and more. And, and certainly the, the water 
try and will support that. So, so how do you use astrology in your life, and how does it relate to your music? Well, that is really fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for asking. Uh, I have just created a, a new product and line that I'll keep developing called Infusions. And what these are are audio files. They start with the astrological signs, and next year I'll be working through the planets because they do take a while to channel and put together. But it's sort of mantra, sort of mini meditation. So, you know, it's all original music, channeled guidance that I distill into sort of a four minute song. So, this is not long form meditation where you have to <laughs> go deep with it. We definitely want you doing that, but, but this is more a download, uh, literally and figuratively, that you can play every day. And I'm working with each of the energies of the signs. And so right now, um, there's an Aries infusion available on my site, and you will get the music, which has these key Aries words, and the idea is to move around. It's infusing your energy field, your chakra system, with that red, fiery, impulsive, passionate, confident energy. It's all going to need to work through, to trust our truth, to trust our higher selves. And um, it comes with notes and uh, some worksheet-type materials so people can put it into all kinds of practical forms. So they, they get a, several files with the package. That sounds awesome. But, you know, it seems like this should be the time that people just get out there and just do their stuff. Yeah, it will. <laughs> like, it's like finally the universe has given us all a green light and like we're just understanding this like now. I know. And, you know, you think of, I think, you know, the software, I think of a visionary like Steve Jobs. You know, everybody who has a Mac computer can write music, can make a movie. You know, it's probably not going to go on to win an Oscar per se or whatever, but so what? It's up on YouTube. But they could. And they could. Exactly. That potential is absolutely there. So tell me about Hay House Book Club. Okay. That is a show that is on Hay House Radio every Friday at 11 a.m. And people can just go to hayhouseradio.com. And what we do each month is we pick a book. And, of course, it is a Hay House book, just so I'm clear here. I work with a couple of co-hosts, and we talk about the book the first half of the show. We've all read it, and we kind of compare notes. And then we have the privilege of interviewing the authors. So we talk to people like Robert Holden, Dr. Mona Lisa Schultz, Louise Hay, Cheryl Richardson, and uh, Doreen Virtue, as well as some other up-and-coming authors and sort of look at that and we just recently read the book all is well which is a really cool phrase and title and that comes from louise hay back in the 80s she put out a book called heal your body because she kept working with people and this is just purely intuitive she's not a doctor she would see their physical malady so what she came up with is what's called the little blue book or heal your body and it was a pamphlet she she could only go to a printer and print up like 5,000 copies and I, I love this is the, the original you know one of the great do-it-yourself stories and the thing just flew off the shelf you know she sent it out to like churches that were open to this kind of thought got request after request and finally it became a book and so uh, we got to talk about her latest book that she did 
called All is Well, and that's, that's a really interesting piece because here we are 30 years past the original publication of Heal Your Body. Well, the medical intuitive, Dr. Mona Lisa Schultz, who is an MD and a PhD, so she has actually gone through Louise's original work, updated it for some of the new diseases and things that we've kind of as a culture, things that we're collectively suffering from. So it's, and of course, it has the new affirmation. So it's a real update of the original work, and it has a lot of, of the scientific information to back that original intuitive insight that Louise had. So it's, it's you know, it's definitely that is what we get to talk about on the, on the book club. So it's a lot of fun. Fun. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, you know, I just consider it just a great lesson, you know, to just to be schooled by these teachers who, you know, they lead by example and you look at the body of, of work that they've left us and it's, it's pretty humbling. It, it really is. Yeah. So, Elizabeth, where can folks find you? They can come to elizabethsoracle.co. They can sign up for a free e-newsletter, and their information is always protected and always just honored. <laughs> they can get readings there. They can listen to music. They can uh, download the infusions and, you know, pretty much just find out everything they need to know, like when the book club is on and, and all that. So it's elizabethsoracle.co. Great. Well, thanks so much for letting us hear about the astrological landscape. And we have a lot to look forward to. And it and it seems like we just have to start our own revolution and just reorganize something. And we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thank okay. you for having me on. It's, it's really fun to connect again. And congratulations to you and everybody at uh, High Frequency. Thanks for joining us today on High Frequency. I'm your host, Christy Walsh. You can find us on Facebook, and you can find archives of the High Frequency Show. You can find us on Twitter under SFN Media Group and SFNRadio.com, and you can always find out more about our shows on SFNRadio.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.